Welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. I'm your host, Alex Ott, and today we are concluding a short series on digital safety and online presence for missionaries and their families. As you remember, the principal contributor to this podcast series is Ernest Stutz. Ernest serves as security and data privacy consultant to the General Conference. He has a Master's of Science degree in Information Assurance. It's usually referred to as Data Security degree. You would also be interested to know that Ernest served four years on Guam and participated in multiple mission trips. He merges experience in the mission field with knowledge and practice in data security. All for us here on the IWM podcast. Previously in this series, we recorded interviews that we titled, first, How Missionaries Can Keep Their Digital Self Secure, that's episode 76, and How to Use Social Media Tools in the Mission Field, episode 82. You'll find links to both of these in the show notes. Today, our conversation turns to digital safety and well-being of missionary children, that is, our children. Let's get straight to it. Welcome to the Institute of World Mission Weekly Podcast, a show for Adventist mission enthusiasts striving to live, serve, and witness cross-culturally. Visit us at iwm.adventist.org podcast to view this podcast's show notes, links, and previous episodes. Institute of World Mission is your partner in the mission field. Ernest, welcome back to the Institute of World Mission podcast. Thank you so much. It's ha- I'm really happy to be here. Look, we've done two episodes in the past, and uh, the topic, the general theme of this series is security, especially digital security for missionaries. And uh, um, these episodes were received very well. So thank you again for doing this with us, for sharing your experience with our community of Adventist missionaries. I'm, I'm really excited. This, this is an area of, that I have a passion and I, I want to help people out. So I'm very excited to be here and delve into this subject today, especially dealing around young people. This is really key. Yes, our topic for today is securing or digitally securing missionary children. How can we help parents organize this part of their children well. And let me ask you this first question, why? Why is there a need to help protect missionary children online? Great question. Um, I want to suggest that one of the first reasons we need to understand is that technology is not inherently neutral. It can be redeemed, um, but technology is not just neutral because the people behind the technology, I've got tons of articles, if someone wants to look at them, they've designed technology to be very addictive, especially mobile devices and social media. They've designed it and they've, it's called brain hacking. You can Google brain hacking and see it all day long where they have big tech companies, you know, Google, Apple, all these companies have done all this to make these very attractive. So it's not just a neutral device. It was designed to be very addictive. It was designed to capture attention. And then you have to realize what are the philosophies of big tech companies. They're not Christian or Christ or faith-based organizations. So they have a worldly view and a worldly agenda that really goes counter to um, what we're trying to teach missionary children, especially as they're interacting with other cultures and environments. All right, so let's go over the most obvious dangers. And I know we will uh, have several here. So 
Um, let's try to really highlight each one. So what are the dangers that uh, lurk out there that can have really negative influence on missionary kids? So some of the things that they have found, for example, um, one of the studies found that if they deprive teenagers um, of just even five days of a digital detox, they found that their nonverbal skills in children went way higher than those who continue to use screens during those five days. Um, they find they're more empathetic. They find they're more social, which if you think about it, you look at, if you go read articles right now in Psychology Today, you're going to see that during this pandemic that was going on, you know, everyone has been very much able to be online and digital. But they've seen a huge spike in domestic abuse, uh, suicide rates, um, mental illness. So we have all this opportunity and time now to be social because we're not driving places. We're not going places. But So we ought to be totally social and we, nobody should be lonely. And they're finding a huge amount of loneliness. So the device doesn't necessarily breed to that. So what I want to do is kind of break down a couple things. Let's look at some of the physical stuff. Then let's, let's kind of walk through this. First thing is phone spoofing. Um, a phone spoof, for example, I could call you and have the phone display your wife's cell phone number. I could change my voice from male to female. I could put sirens in the background noise, and I could tell you I'm in trouble, or you could do this to a child. And they think, and then the parents are saying, come meet me here. Come go here. It'd be very easy. And this is, again, this is free software. Anybody can do it. I could send a text message where the text message would come from seemingly the parent to the child. Or from a spouse to the other spouse, and it would show their number that the text message came from your spouse. And you would have no way of knowing at all. So that's one of the things to realize that when you're, especially when you're in a different country, you need a way to verify your text messages that this is authentic. We use a code word that is not associated with any pets, family, place we've lived. But it's something that we can drop into text. It's something we can drop into a phone conversation that's a natural word that we don't normally use. But it's just the other person then has a response. And it flows right in with that question or that statement. That way we know we have authentication of each other. So my kids know it's me talking. I know it's them. We understand we're on the same page. Kind of a password, a small verbal password that, uh, that goes along with any kind of digital communication. For any kind of digital communication. Well, one of the gentlemen I know who works for a three-letter agency in the United States government that will remain nameless even when his mother calls, when he answers the phone, he starts off with, this is an insecure communication line. <laughs> you know, she always gives him a hard time. It's great. But he, then they know to expect that. And, they, you know, then he, if it's something that's serious, they have a response for that. So we've covered two dangers so far. One is that uh, gadgets and digital services affect our young people um, in terms of their social skills and interest in life and things like that, as well as phone spoofing. Anything else? Any other dangers? Yeah, it, there's been several studies that have come out recently about the amount of time it spends as far as young people distracting them. They're finding that young people and even adults are more busy, but they're getting less done. Because just look at the percentages. 54% uh, of teens say that they spend too much time on their cell phones. 41% um, say they overdo social media. 21% of, not, so it's not just kids, 21% of children in the UK that were polled felt like their parents don't listen to them because they're on their devices too much. So sometimes we're guilty as parents. So um, it, it's a double street. 
uh, double-sided street. So uh, 69% of teens um, say they wish they could spend more time socializing face-to-face. So they're recognizing that even this digital socialization is not the same. So we're seeing a, it's really becoming a major distraction, and people, on average, at least unlock their phone 150 times a day. People go to bed. Their statistic, most of the world is actually going to bed with their cell phone right next to them. So these are some of the just distracting features that is another issue that's really impacting young people. Ernest, let me share something personal, which I don't do often, but very interesting. Last uh, week, I uh, got a notification on my phone. And it told me that um, the total amount of time I spent daily on my phone throughout the week was three hours. Now, I never thought about it, and I don't know whether this is a lot or this is not much on average for people out there, but I was terrified. I'm like, I spent three hours on my phone on average throughout the week? Of course, I use it for work, and I use it extensively, but th- and I read as well off of my phone but when i thought about it it sounded or looked to me quite dangerous so that that made me think they have found that it does interrupt um, sleep patterns for most people and actually um, most people are spending closer to three hours a day on their device um, when they break it down at least the studies that i've seen here from in in the u.s uh, it's just an amazing amount of time so you realize that the average adult is spending almost three hours, sometimes more, on their mobile device. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm somewhere in the middle there. But imagine if this happens to our children. Right. In children, it's actually higher. Um, some of the studies I've seen recently, uh, one study I saw, and I, I haven't been able to see had the validity of the study, but it was putting it closer to six hours a day. And you have to remember, unless you've put up some very tight controls on that device, That device has access to the world, and the world has access to your child. This includes pornography, inappropriate content, just non-Christian themes. You know, stuff that we sit here and say, whatever we fill our mind with, this will become part of that child, and become part of who their character is. Again, where you spend your time, that's what's going to build into who you are. So definitely that is a major concern. So what I heard from you now in terms of dangers is social skills are affected. Um, There's a danger for strangers to try to uh, mask themselves as parents or a family. There's tremendous waste of time. There's harmful content. These are the notes I've taken so far. Any other dangers? One of the things that they are, whether it's called nomophoba, which is, you know, people are getting afraid of not having their phone. They're finding that they have phantom rings and... If you take a mobile device away from a young person, they usually have higher anxiety. They've, they've measured their heart rate goes up. Um, they go through withdrawals. So it is very addictive. This is one of the other key points, realizing that nearly 95% of teens have access to smartphones of some kind. And almost 45% report being connected almost constantly. So I, I, for, for our family, I have a 9-year-old and I have a 16-year-old. And even though my 16-year-old, when she first got an iPad, she saved up her money, she bought the device, but she understood that as soon as she got the device and as soon as it was unwrapped, it was coming to me and I was putting software on it to control screen time, to control access. Now, she also has heard me do presentations where I've heard of, I've worked with children that have come up missing. 
um, and been groomed online by predators. So she's heard me do talks. She's seen me interact with law enforcement, trying to help parents find their kids. So she's seen just a little bit. She's not seen much, but she's heard just bits and pieces. So she knows that this is a reality. But she also understood that I always told her, because I love you, I need to control this thing that's coming into your life. So we talked about this very carefully, and she understood this was just going to be a part of the program. When she got her cell phone, um, she had a cell phone for a long time that had no data plan. So it was like an, you know, an iPod. And then when she finally got her cell phone was when she got her started driving. But with that, there was also a set of requirements, an agreement, which we have a contract here that I'm going to share with the audience. We'll put it online if they want, where there's a contract both for the children and for the parents to sign. Ernest, we will definitely want to uh, provide all the resources that you're bringing into this episode as downloadable documents, which will be available through the show notes so our listeners can find all of those. I would also want to quickly share something that I mentioned. Uh, Our 12-year-old in our house, Amy's in my house, our son, our youngest son, um, he's at the age where we feel he should have access to digital devices. Um, but highly controlled. And what this means for us is quite similar to how you just described it. Um, We have screen time, which means the devices that he has are only available to him at certain times of the day, say from 2 p.m. to 8 p.m., and that's it. So before 2 p.m., the morning when he's getting ready for school or around lunchtime or whatever, it just doesn't work. Or after 8 p.m. when he has, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes to get ready for bed when we have our worship. It doesn't work at all. So screen time is very important. And the, the other thing we do is app limits and website limits. Um, things like Amazon.com or whatever, where lots of shopping or interesting things that are just filling up time with things that he doesn't need. We filter out We filter out social media, um, entertainment. We just give him half an hour for social media and entertainment a day. So he has to pack his YouTube interests and his social media interests into this half an hour. And um, we agreed with him. We had a conversation with him. He understood that, you know, this is something that would be healthy for him. And this will give him time to read books and uh, have social life and all of those things. So we have instituted all of those things with our 12-year-old boy, and it feels like this is the right thing right now. We are not sure if we are hitting the all the points, but that's what we've been doing so far. You guys are doing an amazing job. The, the biggest challenge for parents, the devices are the easy button for parenting. Kids become quiet. They become complacent. As soon as we hand them the device... But as soon as we've done that, we've also relinquished our right to have any impact on their spiritual, eternal, eternal journey. As soon as and that's we, the danger. As soon as we take that button, we basically have given up our rights to say, "I want to see their spiritual destiny be in heaven," because that device is not neutral. <laughs> and that's one of the things for us. I, I love what you guys are doing. We have done something similar. I'll share with you what we do. First of all. Even our our devices never go to the bedroom at night. Um, We have something in the kitchen where they all plug in and charge overnight. And we've done that for a couple reasons. Um, First of all, privacy. I just don't like things that can listen, you know, in the bedrooms. Um, Not It's just a personal preference. But it's also there, if ever a screen light comes on, it helps keep people from getting to the full sleep. 
if you're in the middle of a full night's sleep, even though you don't wake up, it actually pulls you out of REM sleep. So if the screen flashes, so again, taking the device out of the bedroom, putting it in the kitchen, we silence them after 10 p.m. So this is a family rule that we do. So our, care, our children see us model this as well. So this is part of what we have chosen to do. The other thing we do with our kids, we've also put screen limit, but we also have used um, control software. I use Custodo, where we limit apps and we limit everything. But we, with our daughter, even though she's very, very good, and she's been very spiritually sound, I've been blessed in that way. Um, one of the things that I've done with her is she, didn't, she had a white list only of pre-approved websites. If she ever wanted to go to a website, she had to get it pre-approved until she turned 16. Then we started filtering by categories. So up until the age of 16, we said it was only pre-approved websites. And we still limited time. But again, just because there's so much on the internet that is not appropriate, I didn't want her to stumble on something. I didn't want her to accidentally see stuff that, oh, wow, that was not good. And there was no social media accounts uh, except for like YouTube, if you want to call that, some call it social media. But as far as watching social media content, she could watch YouTube, but she had no Pinterest or anything like that until she turned 16. So we limited that very much so, and even that's on a limited time even now. So that, that's kind of the approach. We've done the same thing. We've put controls, but we've also put very much filtering on it. Thank you. So the dangers are affects young people's social skills, phone spoofing, it's a waste of time, it's a distraction, it has harmful content, it brings young people to depression, addiction, and other physical uh, and mental consequences. So with this established, of course, all of this relates also to missionary children, but maybe you would help us to see some of those dangers in a new light in regards to expatriate families. So how are the expatriate families special in terms of uh, security for children? I, I will. I, I want to jump back because there's one thing I skipped, and I'm, please forgive me for this. The Thanks. one other danger that I, this is a little bit of an interesting fact, but there's a little bit of physical danger. They have noticed that as kids spend more time on screen time, they actually have their heavier, their body mass index goes up, they find delay in cognition. They find delay in social development, increased body mass. So they're finding all these physical conditions along with a lack of empathy development. And one other tidbit for this um, very germaphobe world we live in at this present moment. Um, do you realize that phones have 18 times more bacteria than toilet handles? The face of your cell phone. Now that's something to be scared of. <laughs> Put a mask no, on the phone. That is, that is a fascinating fact. Our listeners cannot see, of course, you and I are on video right now, but I have something that I use specifically for my phone. I spray my phone around and I have this foam um, uh, glued to this um, uh, to this spray. This is how I disinfect my phone pretty yeah, much every day. Yeah, sanitizer, yeah, and that's a great sanitizer, thing. Sanitizer, thank you. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's one thing most people don't even think about on their phones. I actually, I do that in the morning. That's one of my morning routines when I come in is I wipe down my phone. Just because I <clears throat> did a culture of the phone once, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, wipe that phone. <laughs> so, um, expatriate so, families. Yes, expatriate families. So moving between, um, when you're looking at being in another culture, one of the big things, because we talked about some of the dangers of it really decreases empathy if, if we have too much screen time. And when you're interacting with other cultures, there, there's a couple aspects. You really need to have the empathy in place. Um, you really need to be able to relate 
The other thing that you also need is you need to realize that I have found every time I've worked with young people, they catch up on the culture much faster. And oftentimes there's two parts to the culture. There's the culture that we adults see, and then there's the youth and teen culture, which always tends to be more edgy, especially when you're in another country. Um, so there's different value sets based upon when you're doing missionary work, and especially if you're trying to witness to people who aren't saved. You know, So they're going to be interacting with young people that have a totally different worldview concept, and they're getting all of this information shared as, oh, look at this funny video, look at this, and it, it may make you laugh, but then you realize, what did I just watch? So, and all, everything that we take in through our eyes, you know, becomes, you know, in the Bible, it talks about that, you know, we, well, by beholding, we become. So everything that our children behold, they become, to some extent. So these are some of the things for expatriates to really think about, not only the empathy, but then what is the impact of their spiritual journey of the young person? Because we don't want to lose our children while we're doing mission field work at the same time. Th those are some of the key points that I can really think for expats, you know, as they're in another country, in another culture, and trying to help their children actually hopefully be a potential witnessing arm and not get negative impact from it. Thank you, Ernest. So let's move to the second part of uh, your presentation today, and this is protection or solutions to the issues that we just raised. So what are those levels of protection that we can advise to parents to um, perhaps consider using? One of the great things I love hearing from what you talked about before is when you shared some of your personal story was you talked about that you communicated with your son. That is key. There is no technology solution that will guarantee that your child's soul is safe. The only thing that does is lots of prayer, <laughs> but also open communication and helping them understand why are you doing this? Why are we trying to help them? They will fuss. Uh, just to give you another example, our family, for the month of September, we have been taking a digital fast, and it has been painful for our family, myself included. Um, you know, if there was a, we could watch a YouTube video if it was purely for school. We couldn't just watch something for interest or fun. So, and even my wife, she talks about, oh, I want to go see, oh, I have to wait till after September. And realizing how much it has become a part of our life. So, even before I did this podcast, I was up with my nine-year-old son. He's like, it's the 30th. I'm like, no, 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 it's not till the first that you get to use your iPad for fun stuff. <laughs> he's like, oh, dad. So, just realizing he's been looking forward to this so much. That is a huge thing that, again, communication, setting boundaries, and explaining why we've set the boundaries. And the other thing, if we do not do the level of also keeping ourselves accountable, our children will catch. Children catch more than they're taught. So they follow our example and our lead. If we tell them not to text while we drive, but we're doing it while we're driving or we answer the phone while we're driving. Um, I, I did that once, went head on with another car. Um, thankfully I survived, um, but my children know the phone goes away from me now when I'm in the car. I don't want to do that again. So Thank you for so. sharing that, Ernest. So communication and personal example, those are the foundation. This is where everything begins with our children. Right. And then from there, you start building your guidelines. Um, I typically recommend, and I have a couple of examples of agreements, and we've done it with our children where we say, okay, this is what I am holding you accountable for. These are our rules. They sign it. I sign it saying I'm going to do my best to hold them accountable because I do not want to allow myself to take the easy button and just give them a device. I've done it before. And my other child will call me on it. Hey, you did that for so-and-so, why not me? You're right, sorry. Um, the other thing then is also holding myself accountable. 
So, and then I install security software. Um, typically, I recommend for the browser, no matter what the device is, I recommend using Firefox. It has a lot more privacy built in. It protects the youth and the identity of them much better. So, and I do that for myself. So even on my Apple devices, I use Firefox Mobile. So that's something that I have chosen to do as well. Um, set screen times, just so that you guys are aware, Bill Gates, even for his 21-year-old son, made him turn in his phone at 10 o'clock every night. And I heard him do a presentation on it, he said they're too addictive. So even his son who was in college had to come at 10 p.m., it was turned into dad. So, and he had the best control software on the planet. You know, they could write custom imagine. software. <laughs> so you have to remember there is no technology solution to fix it uh, completely. So it has to be some, I think, physical access too. That's why we put them in the kitchen. So we also do that. I say trust, but verify. So two directions to that. Um, I want to verify what my kids are doing. If they're online, I should really be a part of that experience so I know what apps my kids are playing. I've had my son sit down and show me the app. I can't play it near as good as he can. <laughs> um, but I just want to see. And then I'll sometimes, oh, wow, this has a pop-up that I didn't realize or an in-app purchase option that I didn't see. Now, I've blocked in-app purchases, but then he's still getting these little advertisements. And sometimes the advertisements are not what I want. So then the app goes away. So th that's part of what we've had to do as well is actually spend time with them on their device. We have uh, a small game between me, the dad, and my son, the youngest son. Um, we agreed with him that whenever I see him using a device for some time, you know, maybe like 20 minutes, half an hour, if I see him doing this, I just get into his view and I, and I kind of raise my brows, which means a question, you know, what kind of content are you consuming? Is this thumb up? content which means you know it's like very very educational or it's like thumb down just fun type of stuff right so whatever on youtube so when i see him doing this i, I raise my brows and he has to give me either a thumb up or thumb down so if we get too many thumb downs then you know he knows that we will we will you know we'll, we'll have to reconsider what's what's going on and with my oldest from time to time i just come up to him and he's using his phone and i say hey Listen, do you mind if I just kind of stick my head into your phone and uh, you wouldn't mind, right? So, I mean, I just wonder, you know, who do you have on Snapchat and who are these people or whatever. Sometimes he doesn't want to do it, and, you know, and I'm fine. But uh, um, usually he's very gracious and lets me in and, you know, and, uh, um, and, uh, uh, and, and my curiosity is... Uh, is covered with that. So those are those are you know these kind of little things that at least I'm trying to do with my boys. It, and those are great. And one of the things with the social media, uh, I typically just post um, stuff out to do security tips and recommendations on my different social media channels. But I also request my children, my one daughter who does have access to social media now, uh, she friends me. I want to be her friend so I can see stuff. She can see what I'm posting. And then I can occasionally kind of see who's talking with her. And then I also have the ability to go look at the logs, and she knows that. I can see all of her chats. I can see all of that. I've, again, told her, I am doing this because I love you, and I've been down too many roads with too many parents with heartbroken stories. So I said, you know, I'm here to protect you. And, I, and that's how I've come at it. I've not come at it as I'm a, a disciplinarian and, you know, I'm very strict and I want all of these rules and I'm only concerned about, you know, you being a perfect little person. No, it's that I want to protect you, that I love you and I want to make sure you're safe. And I'm willing to have a discussion. And that's the other part. As part of the open communication, one of the big things is to not judge. Communicate openly. 
Um, one of the the last thing is I would recommend uh, using something like Signal or Telegram for secure messaging. So that is so that way you know that they cannot be intercepted. So if there's ever a situation where your kids are feeling unsafe, and if I get a message from my daughter on Signal, I know it's something serious. So that is something we've set up, and Signal notifications come across. So even when I'm in do not disturb mode. So I've done that for us intentionally. Ernest, for the sake of our listeners, let me try to list these recommendations in one list. If I miss something, let's add on to it. So in terms of solutions or guidelines or helpful tips today, we advise uh, for parents to have open communication about all of these things with their children. Definitely set or give personal example in uh, how we are handling our digital devices. Um, agree with kids about certain rules, uh, which then find their fulfillment in privacy or filtering software, things like screen time and downtime or app limits, some of the, those things that we agree on uh, beforehand. Another one is trust but verify. So from time to time, to try to kind of immerse ourselves into their digital world as much as only possible so that the relationship is still strong and going uh, with our kids there. And um, using secure apps for communication. This is what I've got so far. Anything you want to add to this list? In order to do this effectively, the only thing I would add to the list is we really kind of have to educate ourselves. And there's a link here to a uh, cpyu.org and they have a great blog newsletter that they produce where they kind of talks about the latest digital trends, what's happening with young people. Um, and they're the ones that recently brought up an in August that there was a massive thing going around on TikTok where kids were sharing a video of someone who committed suicide and it kept going around and around through all the way down to really low elementary schools and they talked about it's really important to talk to kids about this because they've seen a spike in suicides during the pandemic you know more shelter in place type rulings so they are really staying up on the latest trends keeping up with things and that's a good way to not have to go do all the research all the time yourself because they'll send you stuff that's very relevant so this is a wonderful segue now to our resources part. Um, I know you have brought a number of documents or PDFs uh, that you would like to share with our audience. Uh, we will make them available as downloads through show notes. But if you could just give a very short description to each of those that uh, we will be uh, sharing, that would be wonderful. Absolutely. One of the things that I've, a couple different things, we have the, the Parenting and Media Challenge. Um, it's a PDF document. And, and this is kind of going through some of the different things that I have discovered over the years. And it gives you some, some scriptural guidance and some other guidance as far as some things to consider as when you're thinking about parenting. It's a one-page document, very short. I've tried to make it, keep it just really condensed. And there's also contact information. I do my best to answer emails within 48 hours. I, I can't promise beyond that. Uh, it's just I've had parents ask for questions or tips or what would you recommend. I do not mind helping out answering questions from time to time. So the other thing is the family pledge for mobile devices and online. And that's a Word document. We can turn it into a PDF. But one of the things there is there's a kid part and there's a parent part. And part of the reason why I originally had it as a DOCX so that way parents could read it. And you can modify it a little bit. There's two parts. So there's part where you're saying children this is what we're doing and if you want to add something or take something away you could and the kids sign it you sign underneath them saying that you will hold them to that and then there's a part where you as a parent are promising to be a good role model and the kids sign that they will hold you accountable and trust me they do <laughs> so at least mine do so um the other thing is the family digital code of conduct and that's kind of a compiled list of you know what are some of the 
good options to be doing as a family. And overall agree, like for us, our family, we put all the devices in the kitchen at nighttime. So, and the other thing is a um, data detox kit, um, which is a, again, this can walk you through. And if you do this, you'll be amazed where you, how much you'll find of your information online. And this is an eight day program. It's kind of like an eight step program where you kind of go out and see what is on me online. And then you kind of decide what limits do you want to spend and how much time do you want to spend doing this? You could spend all day long trying to erase yourself. I don't do that. I occasionally go out and check. So, and then um, what is brain hacking? And again, this is something I wanted to just bring one of these documents. This is a direct copy from an online post and it's still out there, but it kind of goes through brain hacking and technology and that technology leaders are realizing that they made these things very addictive to try and sell product. And they're very intentional and realizing that just for us as parents, I think is should be a shot across the bow. Um, so we understand that, hey, wait a minute, these things we're giving to our kids were designed to be addictive and young people are getting addicted. And uh, lots of resources on my Google Drive, which we'll put a link there. I have tons of videos in there that talk about you know, the addictive nature. Um, there's a bunch of PowerPoints in there actually where I've done workshops for schools and kids and different youth groups. And there's embedded videos that are TED Talks and stuff that I went and found online specifically about the addictiveness, the social qualities. And these are coming from non-Christian people saying, um, there's something here we need to be careful of. They're raising the alarm flag. And they're saying, we've made ourselves in this whole digital social media world where we have these fake personas. It has really elevated sexuality in young women or the need, the perceived need to be very, very, very beautiful, you know, star model quality. And they get very depressed if they don't feel like they meet up. So there's even people in the secular world saying, oh, we need to step back and rethink this. So there's a lot of resources there. Excellent. And uh, we, like I promised, we will have all of the links in the show notes there for our listeners. But as we conclude, Ernest, I know you have prepared this very special quote from Review and Herald from the Spirit of Prophecy. If you would be so kind and read it out to us, which will be the conclusion for this very important and timely topic. Absolutely. Satan's work is to lead men to ignore God, to so engross and absorb the mind that God cannot be in their thoughts. Remember the addictive quality here, people. <laughs> the, the education they have received has been of a character to confuse the mind and eclipse the true light. Satan does not wish people to have a knowledge of God. And if he can set the operation through th theatrical performances, mobile apps, I'm going to put that, that's my new translation, that will confuse the senses so that young human beings will perish in darkness while the light shines all about them. He is well pleased. What a reminder. Ernest, thank you so much for coming on to the Institute of World Mission podcast and sharing these resources and your experience with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to do so. Special thanks to Ernest for contributing his insights to all of us. Now, even though I said in the beginning that we are concluding this series, you might have questions or suggestions for other topics in the realms of uh, data privacy, online appearance, and online ministry for Adventist missionaries. If that's the case, please write to me at otta at gc.adventist.org. I'm looking forward to your suggestions we can always reopen the series and keep adding to it, right? Meanwhile, earlier this week, we had a live meeting, a webinar that we titled 
your home is a mission field. If you missed it, you can find the recording on the IWM website. Look in the webinar section, link in the show notes. Upcoming though is a live event we will hold on October 29th. The conversation then will be centered on family values in East Asian, primarily Buddhist background countries. If this is a topic of interest, save your seat on that webinar. Again, the link to the registration page is in the show notes. My name is Alex Ott and I'm looking forward to seeing you next week.